Thank you for listening to this message from the First United Methodist Church of Lyons in Lyons, Georgia. We hope you find it inspirational and meaningful. We invite you to join us in worship Sundays at 11 a.m. or 5 p.m. We are located at 126 East Wesley Avenue in Lyons, Georgia. You can learn more about the Lyons First United Methodist Church at www.lyonsfumc.org. That's L-Y-O-N-S-F-U-M-C dot O-R-G. And now, may you be blessed as you listen to today's message. There's an old story that tells of an influential traveler who took a group of people into the heart of Africa in search of wealth and treasure. Now, in order to make their way around, they hired a, a large group of local guides that would carry them from place to place, and help them set up and break down camp. Now, this influential traveler, they traveled on day one, and he, he thought they made a good pace, and he thought, well, these, these folks, we can do a little bit better. So he told the guides, he said, let's go faster tomorrow. Well, and they, they did. They went much faster tomorrow. And he said, well, I like the way this is going. If I say fast, we all go faster. He told them that night, he said, tomorrow, on the third day, I want you to go even faster And they made great time. They made wonderful time. And he said, wonderful, tomorrow you are going to go even faster and we're going to make record, record time. And so he woke up the next morning, disappointed to find that nobody was breaking down camp, nobody was even making breakfast, and his local guides were sitting, resting on the trunk of a scrub tree. And no matter how much he said it or how forceful he got, they would not budge. What is going on, he finally asked. And one of the guides stood up, and he said, Sir, we have been moving so fast. Now we must stop and let our soul catch up with us, and we will not go any further until it does. We must let our soul catch up with us. I think those African guides have something to teach us. Pay attention to your soul. It's not a common, popular thing, and we, we talk more about taking care of our bodies and our stuff, and it may, not, it may even be an alien concept to some of us to pay attention and take care of our soul. But if we don't, our lives will become shallow. You know, if you think about it, it's very common for uh, our lives to be a mile wide and an inch deep. We are, our cares are cast from person to person, thing to thing, things we don't even know about and can't do anything about, and the news and our tasks and all of the things we pay attention to. But just like a plant requires depth for its roots to grow and for the plant to grow strong, so do our souls. Our souls need depth. God yearns also to have deep relationship with us so that our lives will not become shallow. That's what the season of Lent is about. Today is the first Sunday in Lent. It's a 40-day season of preparation for Easter. And during this time, we, we pay attention to our souls. We grow in our faith. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about five proven ways that you can grow in your faith. And they are prayer and fasting, study, service, and community, so that we can grow deeper in our faith. And today we're going to talk about prayer. 
And so what I'd like to do is open the Word of God and share with you two passages of Scripture. The first will come from Exodus chapter 33. The words will be on the screen and you can follow in your Bible. And then I'll follow that up with a short verse from Luke chapter 11. So will you join with me in the reading of the Word from Exodus 33, verses 7 through 11. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. And as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses, face to face, as one speaks to a friend. And then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Now I'd invite you to turn over with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, and there we'll just read the first verse. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So first, a disclaimer. There is no way that we can learn everything there is to know about prayer by noon or 12.05. There's just no way to do it. Prayer is expansive. And even if we could, prayer is something that really, we really learn by doing. And it's so, so many different ways to pray, and everybody really responds in different ways of praying. So with that said, today you're not going to learn everything about prayer. I couldn't even teach you because along with you I'm a pilgrim on the road to prayer. But today our goal is this, to aid our hunger that we might desire to pray and to learn to pray. That's what our goal is today. You know, John Wesley, who's the founder of our Methodist heritage, he said, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. In the Gospels, we see Jesus constantly in prayer. In the verse we just read and in other places, that he would rise early in the morning to find a quiet place to pray. One of the great spiritual writers of our time, Mr. Richard Foster, He says, all who have walked with God have viewed prayer as the main business of their lives. Now, the Bible itself records directly over 650 different prayers. The New Testament in the four Gospels alone talks about Jesus praying some 25 times. The Apostle Paul talks about prayer in his letters over 40 times. All that to say, prayer is pretty central to our faith. In fact, Foster would tell us that prayer is the most central spiritual activity. Now, I don't know about you, but when something carries that much weight and there are that many statistics coming from the pulpit about it, uh, it can get pretty intimidating. You know, especially since most of the time, I mean, how do we learn about prayer? A lot of times we might have somebody pray for grace before meals, and and maybe uh, you're new to the thing and, and you hear one of us praying from the pulpit our flowery prayers. And let's be honest about this thing, if we will. Let's just come, come to an honest place. 
There are many of us who have tried to pray and either found it difficult, don't know if we're doing it right, or we tried it and we wonder what all the fuss is about with prayer. And so, for some people, prayer is something that we will get too soon. Prayer is something we'd rather have somebody else do for us, or we're going to get better at it one day. And, and, you know, we might remember to pray at particular times, or we might make occasional commitments to pray more. And if that's any of you right now, if you're saying, yeah, that's me, gosh, and maybe you're feeling a little guilty about it, maybe you're saying, I've shirked my Christian duty, and maybe wondering if you're about to get yelled at. No, 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 listen. Just set all that aside. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. And remember this, remember this. God always meets us where we are and then slowly brings us deeper. So I just want to level that playing field. There's no, let's not do the I should have and you need to. Let's not do that during this series, okay? Let's just recognize that we're lifting up the grace that God gives to us and inviting you to experience what God is inviting you to experience. It's not a guilt-free, another list of to-dos that you have to add. It is a grace and a gift that you can use to grow your faith. I just want to get that out of the way here. You know, one of the reasons that we find prayer difficult, I think, is that we carry a few misconceptions about prayer, about what prayer is and how to do it. I'll just talk about two of them today, and I've given them clever little titles because that's what you're supposed to do when you preach. I call the first one the cosmic gumball machine. The second I call the I'm not going to pray, I'm going to do something prayer. So first, uh, you've probably been looking at this gumball machine the whole time. Michael's been salivating over these gumballs. I'll tell you, first off, Paul and Lisa, thank you for allowing us to use your gumball machine. The reason that you couldn't have any, I love you. The reason you couldn't have any is because nobody knows how old these gumballs are. That was like the only caveat they gave us. They said, I'll let you use it, but you cannot feed people these gumballs. I think they might have, in fact, turned into jawbreakers by now, but they'll, they'll serve the purpose. So here's the deal. So um, I want a gumball. So I get a quarter. Uh, you know how this works. If you haven't done this in a while, you should get some gumballs soon. You just put the quarter in there, and it fits nicely. You turn the little crank, and out come, oh, two. Two gumballs. You get a purple one here and a yellow one here. And that's how it works, and it, and it works like that every time. You know, yeah, I, want, I want a gumball. Maybe I don't want a yellow one. Maybe I want a different one, so I'll, I'll get a quarter, and I'll, I'll put it in. Ah, such a satisfying sound. And I have, once again, two gumballs. Oh, that was perfect. It's the pink one that tastes just like bubble gum. Every time, it's the same over and over. You get, two, you get a quarter, you get two gumballs. That's just how it works. And, you know, many of us will think of prayer that way. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll say, you know, there's something that I want. We want God to give us something. So we toss up a prayer like a quarter, and we stick our hand out and wait for our divine gumballs. I've paid my price. The price is my prayer. And now you, God, oh, cosmic gumball vending machine, are to dispense to me my divine gumballs, because that's how it works. So we might get, in fact, uh, run into trouble when God doesn't dispense the gumballs we wanted, maybe. I didn't want a pink one. I wanted a white one. Or when we try to work the the machine and and it doesn't appear that, did God give me any gumballs at all? Did God even answer my prayer? Now, I'll tell you, if that happened to this gumball machine, we'd say it's broken, wouldn't we? We'd say it doesn't work. Wouldn't waste any more quarters putting it in there. And when we treat prayer like that, like, God is our cosmic gumball machine, and the 
our prayers are our quarters to receive our divine gumballs, it's no wonder, it's no wonder that you're going to get disappointed. Sometimes God will give to us exactly what we ask for, and sometimes God will transform our questions so that we receive something better. And Sometimes we don't see God's answer for months and years. Sometimes, like Garth Brooks, God's greatest gift is unanswered prayer. Is that too old of a song for you all to remember? Okay, thank you, thank you. Oh, good. You know what's missing in the cosmic gumball scenario? Relationship. That's what's missing in the cosmic gumball scenario. God is not just the best tool for our satisfaction. God is our Father. God desires to relate with us, to be with us. You know, I wonder, have you ever felt used in a friendship or a relationship? Those tend not to work too well. God's not our best tool to get the thing we want, the best, un, uh, best kept secret that we finally discovered for health, wealth, and prosperity. God is our Father who desires to relate with us. And what we find is that when we nurture our relationship with God, the, the things that we ask for change, the way that we pray changes, and, and we start to see that God is acting in ways that are far different than we really ever imagined. God is, the point is that prayer is more like a, more like a relationship than it is a quarter for a cosmic gumball machine. The second misconception we can come about is that prayer is useless. Prayer is useless. We should do something instead of pray about it. People who don't like action, don't, they, they pray. Prayer is passive. You know, we see this conversation. This has become quite a national conversation over the past number of years. And you just watch somebody uh, put up on the Internet something about thoughts and prayers and watch how quickly they get taken down for not doing anything. We see it a lot, in, and, and there's right criticism and wrong criticism and all of that. That's not the issue, but it's, it's at the forefront of our consciousness. And we see it a lot in times of national tragedy. You know, we've had too many opportunities to ask us to pray for things like the horrific shooting this past week at Marjorie Stoneman High School in Florida. And, you know, there's times like that that maybe all we can do is pray, but maybe prayer, prayer just seems like so passive. It's just not enough. People get all kinds of scorn when they offer their thanks and, or their thoughts and prayers, and, and we just want something more than that. Somebody should step up and actually do something about something. We want more than prayer. But you know, that doesn't mean that we don't need prayer too. It's at times like that when, when we come into this kind of uh, prayer versus work situation that I like to lean on uh, the, our Christians from years past who dedicated their lives to this Latin motto called Ora et Labora. Ora et Labora. That means pray and work. Pray and act. They aren't to be separated, prayer and action. We rely on prayer to petition God to do what we can't do. We rely on prayer to petition God to be where we can't be, to protect who we can't protect, to do things that are more powerful than we are. And then we prayerfully act in response to being with God in prayer. Prayer and act. Not everything in the world needs to be either or, y'all. We do that a lot. Not everything needs to be either or. There's such a thing as both and, and with prayer and action, that they're more effective for God when we join them together. 
For example, without action, our prayer is incomplete. And without prayer, our action lacks power. And so we pray and we act. Our prayer is powerful. And so sometimes that's a stumbling block for people when we talk about prayer. So if prayer isn't just passive and prayer isn't the quarter for a cosmic gumball machine, what in the world are we talking about? What in the world are we talking about? I think the key when we talk about prayer like this in a situation like this in morning worship, let's just let's keep it simple. Let's not overcomplicate the situation because at the core, prayer is not very complex. And I know this because children are most often the most effective prayers in the church. So let's keep it simple. In fact, let's keep it as simple as four words. And you can note these down if you want to. This will be the, the core as I close up here. Prayer is simple as four words. Relate. Listen. Speak. And reach. Relate. Listen. Speak. And reach. And we see some of that as we look back at the passage from Exodus. I'll just talk about this really quickly. The book of Exodus talks about the tent of meeting, which is the place when the Israelites were a wandering people. They would set up the tent. Moses would set up the tent outside the camp, and that would be the place where people would go to inquire of the Lord. It's a prayer meeting house is what it is. And I just love how the Bible describes Moses' experience of prayer in this. It says like this, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as with a friend. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as with as one speaks to a friend. I mean, notice the relationship implicit in that verse. Friend. That God would speak to Moses as one speaks to a friend. There's an implied relationship here. The core of prayer is at first our relating to God and God relating to us. God longs for that that God would relate to us and that we would relate to him. So sometimes just sitting in prayer is powerful enough. So first we remember when we pray to relate to God, not simply to use God, but to relate, to let him in our hearts and ours and his relate. Now notice what happens next. In this passage, Moses is the listener. God spoke to Moses as one speaks to a friend. God's doing the speaking And Moses is doing the listening. Listen. Soren Kierkegaard is a theologian from the days of yore. He said this. He said, a man, he prayed. And at first he thought that prayer was talking until he became more and more quiet and in the end realized that prayer is listening. In prayer we relate to God, but we give God a chance to speak into our spirits. Because God's Spirit is active and alive, and we can do that through Scripture, through the witness of the Holy Spirit. We listen. We listen. But we also know that Moses spoke to God throughout Scripture. We know that the book of Psalms, for example, in the middle of our Bible is, is words spoken to God. So prayer is also speaking. It's relating and listening and speaking. And we can share all of our words with God. You don't have to edit them. You can share your righteous and holy Sunday words. You can share your unholy Saturday night words. You can share your angry words. You can share your painful words. You can share your grieved words and your hopeful words. All of them to share to God because the scripture says and instructs us by prayer and petition, make all of your requests known to God. Speak to me. Speak to me, God says. So we speak and we relate and we listen and we speak. And we also reach out in prayer. We reach in prayer. 
And, and specifically what that means is that we reach out on, to God on behalf of other people. We call that intercession. We know that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, and that God and Jesus himself is in fact praying for us as he's ascended into heaven. And so we lift up other people to God. There's sometimes there's just nothing we can do about what's going on in somebody's life, but God's power can do a mighty thing, and God responds to prayer. So when people are sick, when people are grieving, when people are in dire straits, we pray for them, and we trust and know that God will act. That's a powerful thing. Remember, John Wesley says God acts in response to people's prayers. It's, it's just part of God's nature. And so as a vital and powerful ministry, we pray, we reach out to God on people's behalf to pray for you, to pray for the church, pray for what's going on in your life. And so we could complicate it and talk about the things that you have to do to pray or pray or your hands this way, your hands this way. Do you say in Jesus' name or in the name of Jesus? Do you stand? Do you sit? Do you lay down? Do you sing? Do you not sing? Let's just keep it simple. Relate to God. Listen to God. Speak to God. And reach. Reach out on others' behalf to God. Just keep simple. And I want to invite you, just as the disciples asked this question, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Wherever you are on the journey, you know, you can get uh, a kindergarten certificate of graduation from the school of Jesus' school of prayer. You can graduate from high school with your diploma from Jesus' school of prayer. If you've already done all that, you can go on for your bachelor's and your master's and your doctorate and your postdoctorate in prayer. So wherever you are in, in your life, and if your, your prayer life is, is just beginning or has been as strong as can be for years, I just want to invite you today. All I want to do is invite you to ask that same question. Jesus, teach me to pray. Jesus, teach me to pray. Enroll in Jesus' school of prayer. Because we know that our souls need attention. And the central, central activity that we know works to nurture faith and impact the world is prayer. So wherever you are, just enroll in Jesus' school of prayer. And if you're going to be in town this week, there are two ways I want to help you do that. You can do that, one, wherever you are, by um, using our Lent prayer calendar. We have daily prayers for each day just to prompt you. Uh, you can pick up one on your way out. They're also online, and we're posting each day's uh, guide on the Facebook page if you want to do that. Enroll in the School of Prayer. Pick one of these up. Tuesday mornings during Lent at 9 o'clock in the morning, we're going to pick up, uh, gather here in the sanctuary to have prayer as a group. So if you just want to practice along with somebody, let's get together and pray. Our souls need attention. Let's enter the school of prayer. Will you pray with me?